Hello everyone. Hello. Welcome to Golden Talkies Hello. again. Man, it's it always it always starts with us talking over each other, doesn't it? Because we do our mark. It does. And then we both, I say okay, and you say hello, but it's fine. You know, our viewers are used it's to. It's cool. That. Our viewers. Our We're listeners. not very. Yeah. Look, if there's anything our listeners are used to, it's us talking over each other. That's true. It it has happened quite a lot, but you know, it's fine. It's We're fine. practicing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Duncan, what's special about today's episode? Well, since it's our big third episode, we're doing free films. Whoa, sort of. that wasn't a coincidence at all. No. Yeah. So the f- main film for this week is Out of Towners from 1970. Mm-hmm. Um, but the wow. choice the choice for this week was between Out of Towners and a f- delightful film called Watermelon Man. Um, now yes. we'll go into Watermelon Man later, but. Um, we both felt, Jamie in particular, but we both felt that it was maybe um, not the easiest film to discuss in depth um, due to spicy. its content. It's a bit spicy. Um, so when I go through I'm just going to kind of rush through my notes in it and uh, not try and... I don't know. I don't really know how, what the sort of overall setting on this kind of thing is. Um, but it's a little bit spicy. Um, so, yeah, the main film is Out of Towners for this week. Uh, and Jamie watched a remake of Out of Towners as well, didn't you? I did in 1999. Steve Martin and uh, Gwen Stacy or something like that. Gwen, Gwen Stacy. Stacy is that not the one from Spider Man? Someone, someone named Gwen. <laughs> Gwen. Yeah. Cool. So um, yeah. So we'll we'll talk about the Out of Towners 1970 as our main film, and then we'll uh, mm-hmm. well, I'm sure you'll discuss the remake for it, and then I'll do a little bit on yeah. Watermelon Man. See what Jamie mm-hmm. thinks of my synopsis and comments on it. Um, cool. I, you you should watch it. Well, we'll get into what recommendations and stuff later, obviously. But yeah, you should watch it, man. All right. So, okay. um, should we start with the historical context and then get into the Why not? film? Okay. Carry so, on, once again, I was using TakeMeBack.to. Um, they've still not sponsored yeah. us, despite this being our third episode. Um, three weeks in a row now, we've mentioned our company, um, and we've got no sponsorship. So we have ten eager viewers. Who exactly. Would love- to how many product. how many views did our last one get last well uh, that's not i mean doesn't it doesn't I really think... matter we're doing this for ourselves you know yeah um, but we did get a comment so we got a comment on our last one that said um wow. very funny or something and um, but then i looked yeah. at the viewer statistics and i don't think anyone watched past like 10 minutes into it so I um you. i wonder i wonder what he was commenting on i don't know anyway um <laughs> the historical context from take me back to so the only song that I recognized on the US top 10 was Let It Be, um, oh, yeah. which Again. is still it's still in the top 10, but it was number 10 this week. I can't remember what it was. Last oh, two these weeks, guys are bleeding but... successful. Yeah, the Beatles, man. Who knew? Yeah. Um, the UK, can you, can you guess what the UK number one was? Uh, something by the Jackson 5 again? No, it was Back Home by the England World Cup squad for the third <laughs> week in a row. Let me, let me just quickly check. When was uh, the World Cup? Do you know? Um, of course I don't know. It was held from the thirty first of May, so from tomorrow, um, in nineteen seventy. So I don't know if that's gonna fade out. They, I can't they got knocked out in the quarterfinals, I think it was. We talked about it in the first week. Anyway, so that was still uh, England World Cup squad were still number one in the UK and um, probably will be for another couple of weeks. Uh number two was still Spirit in the Sky by the Guardians of the Galaxy band. So yeah. that is a joke that keeps on giving. That that's the third it week is. in a row that we've used the Guardians of the Galaxy band joke. Who who actually mm-hmm. sang Spirit in the Sky? I've just realized I don't even think I actually I can... own the fucking... Oh, wait, I can look it up right now because it's on my phone as part of the Guardians of the Galaxy. All right, have a look. Have a look. And um, the, the, um, other one, the other one that was in top five was House of the Rising Sun by Frigid Pink from same as last week. So the, the UK top oh, really? five was pretty much same as last week. Uh, the US one might have been as well, to be fair. I didn't really 
um, do that. Uh, and then I was looking at Life magazine as usual. Um, these mm -hmm. these magazines are very lucky. Um, Life, Time, and Sports Illustrated because they're the ones that are featured on TakeMeBack.to. Um, and as someone that's incredibly lazy, it's very easy to just uh, go on that website and click in those magazines rather than looking at headlines. Um, so Life magazine was very Vietnam War heavy this week. Mm -hmm. Um, featured, you know, a bunch of articles on like when should we pull out and this happened and remembering people who died, all that stuff. So, Norman Greenbaum wrote Spirit in the Sky. Or there Science you go. Sky, just before we leave that. That's right. That's right. That's a good that's a good song, to be fair. I can see why it was yeah. in top five. Um, yeah, so Life, Life Magazine, very Vietnam War heavy. It's not really relevant to uh, this week. I feel like we've talked about Vietnam a lot. Um, yeah. and we we don't really know anything about it so it's kind of like pointless to keep talking about it but obviously it was happening at the time so it's useful to keep in mind um, Time Magazine um, had an article about some black people that were killed in the south of America um, a few wow, weeks that's after that's not relevant at all not relevant at all to this week um, that was a few weeks after Kent State and apparently it got a lot less like coverage and national uh, thing and there was a lot of outrage about that so yeah, I mean, that's pretty um, sort of poignant and relevant today. Yeah, it's nice know. to know that we've advanced so far in the last 50 years. It is. Um, and then, do you know what else was in Time magazine? What? There was an article about how to keep control over crowds without killing people. Um, wow. It was literally, it was titled, like, how to control a crowd without killing or something like that. So, um, is this just for, like, say, a police officer who's... No, it's it's about the military. Way. Because obviously, uh, obviously, a lot of police forces bring in the National Guard when the the protests are really bad. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, the police obviously are violent enough in America, as we as we know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's sort of like how how to get soldiers that are trained to kill to use other tactics first before jumping straight to that. Basically, uh, I'm sure they'd love doing that. Um, I clicked in Time Magazine. And I was like, damn, this is like today. Yeah, fifty years. Like it's it's crazy. That it's still going on, but I guess that's. That's the U.S. for you, isn't it? They're pretty, mm -hmm. uh, pretty crazy. Pretty backwards. Really. Pretty backwards. Yep. Um, and I'm sure when I get into talking about watermelon, man, we'll... oh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Maybe I don't want to start any riots or anything. Well, there is a riot in that film. Anyway, we'll come into that later. Um, so that was all I had from the historical context. There wasn't really anything that jumped out at me. Um, Sports Ooh. Illustrated. I didn't look for it, but it didn't really have anything. Majorly, uh, that was relevant. So, um, yeah, we can move on to the the sort of general good old stuff. Yeah, the town is... before we before we before we go into your plot bit. So it came out May mm. May the twenty eighth, I think. May twenty eighth is what I heard. Yep. yep. So that's two days ago from when we're recording, and three days from yeah. when. Spoiler alert: We're recording this on Saturday. This is a late one, isn't it? In the yeah, the grand scheme of things, we're pretty. We're recording uh, this at ten p.m. Yeah, I don't know. This week, I've felt kind of. Sleepy cast. Know. Yeah, it's, I, well, I'm, I'm having an energy drink right now, my second of the day, because right. I did not sleep well last night with the hot weather. No, I didn't get we to having. sleep until four, mm. uh, and I got up at, what, you at said. noon. Yeah, I well, tomorrow... I, got, I got up at like 10.30, though. I didn't get to sleep, I don't know, three, four or something as well. I couldn't, man, it's so warm. It's I think um, tomorrow night, I'm just going to like stay up through it and yeah, then try and like, reset. Yeah, you could, you could stay up through it and watch the comments come in on our video from of all course. our, all our oh. international viewers. We're doing a premiere, right? <laughs> we, I, I, I was tempted to set a premiere. I don't know if that would get more viewers if people like feel like it's something that they, they're watching live. You know, it almost feels more like a live stream. Um, anyway. I don't really watch those. Like, what? Premieres? premieres like, with premieres, I always like come. I don't sit up and wait because yeah. 
YouTube video, but like what happens is that like we upload it and then like it's like a two hour long video and I'm like there at like 37 minutes in and I'm like, oh, there's all this stuff happening and I'm not part of it. I'm like, oh, I'll just come back later. Yeah, and know? watch the full video. Yeah, it's true. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm pretty like high energy, but I might suddenly crash because I'm on. Cool. On I'm pretty low energy, energy, but I don't think I've ever been very high energy. <laughs> no, I mean so. I'm not. I'm usually not high in energy at all. But I'm on. I'm on the Iron Brew energy at the moment. Um, Sweet. That's our other sponsor, right? Can I actually say, right? This yeah. is like a very opinion, but I feel this is the time and place to share it, right? So, like four or five years back, they had that Iron Brew spicy. Do you remember it? Oh yeah, yeah. That was genuinely my favorite, like um, soft drink for a while. Really? Like, it is so fucking good and then i think it's just because the local corner shop doesn't replace the stock ever but it seems that whilst there was a way uh for christmas iron brew did a sort of ginger based iron oh, brew. oh yeah that is nice as well do you and do you like, like yeah it? i love it oh, i yeah. like it a lot it's still it's still like new iron brew so i don't like it i think as much yeah. i yeah. like that old one although that may just be nostalgia but uh that drink is pretty good it is. There, thank you that was a message from our sponsors iron brew Get your a iron brew energy operation. now. High caffeine. Buy any bar drink apart from pineapple aid because that's gross. I what? Mate, that's my favorite one. I know it's your favorite one. It was a pointed jab. Oh, you got me. And that the limeade's the worst one or stuff like that. Actually, I've never had the bubble gum aid. I don't oh, think anyone. It's, I've um, never met anyone. It's all right. Anyway, should we go back to the film? All right. Out Tanners. About okay. a couple. Wait. Their names. Yeah? Do you want, what? Yeah, okay. Go, go. All right, The Out of Towners, it's a film that was made in 1970, as we yes, have discussed. It stars Jack Lemmon, who usually appears again opposite Walter Matthau. Does he? Who is not in this film, but I was looking it up just out of interest, and it turns out Walter Matthau wasn't in a single film in 1970, despite having really? a blocking career. But yeah, he was in three films in 1969 and three films in 1971. Was he, was he in rehab or something? I don't know, maybe. Well, what's his name, Walter? Dark. Walter Matthau. Uh, he was in Hey Dolly, which is the film that sort of pulled the Hollywood. Oh, I, do I, re I don't know if I can recognize him, I think. He, he's like, it was one of those guys who okay. wasn't everything. Yeah. Right, so, um, Jack Lemmon was in, actors, yeah. Jack Jack Lemmon Lemmon was in Some Like It Hot. Mm -hmm. Have you seen that? Of course I have, yeah. You have? I've not. Yep. Really? No, no. I'm surprised, it's pretty alright. Okay. Well, I haven't seen it for a while. He's in that, and he was also in a remake of 12 Angry Men, I saw. Ah, how did that compare? I don't. I've not. Well, sorry. I mean, as in, I saw that he was in it. Oh, I've, you saw I've not seen the remake. Yeah. <laughs> um, I assume it's bad. I feel like I've heard it's bad. I don't know. I feel like Twelve Angry Men probably benefits from the the time period. You know, the black and white and the oh yeah cinematography being kind of interesting for the hmm. time and stuff. I don't know how well. I think it maybe was made in nineteen ninety nine, which is uh, the same as the same yeah remake of this very film that we're watching i guess they just like remakes then yeah well they like anyway. remakes now as well don't they yeah well no i feel you don't get too many like straight up remakes it's usually reboots or sequels. yeah reboots are a lot more common nowadays like sure. like the 20 year later sequel i think is like the most common mm. thing yeah like avatar 2 yeah it's gonna end up it's gonna happen <laughs> eventually <laughs> being that one day one day one be day. just as successful as the first one. Yeah, probably not. Do you do you remember seeing the first one? I never saw the first one in cinemas. Really? I, I saw, saw it in cinemas. My mum took DVD. me. My mum uh, took me. I had, to go to, to I had to go to the toilet halfway through because it was so long. Uh -huh. um, 
But yeah, it's. I'll be honest. I didn't like it uh, at the time, and I was I think ten I don't when really I remember it. Yeah, I watched it when it came out. And I feel out, that so. has to be the ideal age to watch that film. It doesn't seem like a film which I'd like more now that I'm older. No. No, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I watched it probably the same age, I guess, or maybe a bit younger when it, when it came out. And yeah, Would it's... it be fair to say that 3D is a sort of failed trend at this point? Well, you know you know, 3D is something that res- like has a resurgence every like 20 years or something. In film. That's true, I suppose. So I feel like it's, uh... it will come back. 4D. Have you seen any films in 4D? I ha- I just the thing is like 4D. I know that if I watch a film in 4D, it will completely ruin the experience. So it needs to be a film that I'm not actually interested in watching yeah. for a film. You know, I just I, need to be there for 4D. I saw um, Aquaman. Oh, Aquaman. Yeah, in see, that 4D. sounds yeah, ideal. It was ideal. It it was quite uncomfortable. They ha- they have this thing that like punches you in the back anytime yeah, someone gets Yeah, that sounds stuck. horrible. <laughs> it was horrible. So like the the chairs moving was pretty cool. Um, there was there was a bit when it snowed and they like turned the snow machine on and it was really loud, um, and it was supposed to be this like really emotional um, like romance scene, but all you yeah, could hear was like the snow machine like, and like all this like foam was raining down, um, yeah. and then you get punched in the back every time someone gets stabbed, which is pretty unpleasant, but the rest <laughs> of it's pretty cool. Like every time they went underwater, there was a little like scoosh of water and. There's a bit where they like go down a, a long slide thing and you like the chair moves a bit. That was all cool. So it was mixed. It was mixed. Um obviously it, just, it does it does sound like it's just a film but someone like randomly punches you every ten minutes yeah. and that's yeah, yeah. immersive. Yeah, you really you really need it for a film that has a lot of movement, like camera movement mm. and people going down slides and flying and stuff. Like that's the kind of thing where it works. It, I, sort of I mean, like a theme park ride, which I would dare say exactly. would serve your needs if you were going to a 4D film. Yeah, but if you, I mean, if yeah, they could probably. I wonder if people are going to start making films for that more mainstream. Because obviously, like currently, if you want to see a for a film that's like made for that kind of thing, you have to go to a theme park. Yeah. But with with like Cineworld starting to build these 4DX screens, I wonder if if like people are actually going to make films like mainstream films for that. Or like, I guess, experiences rather than films. Well, yeah, if you remember back when we were young, and I'm sure they still have them, so I'm not sure why I had to qualify it with that, but they had those, like, uh, car things, like, in lots of public places, and, like, you paid two quid, and then you went yeah. inside, and it would fumble around and be, like, a shitty CGI video of a roller coaster. Yes, those were so good. Yeah. I fucking loved uh, those. So just those, but with more video quality, I guess. Yeah, yeah I could see it happening for sure. Or or 4D is just a fad, but either way, it's it's fun, it's cool. I can't imagine, like at least 3D, I can see someone like making trying to make the case that like it increases your immersion or something. I yeah. cannot really imagine someone making a legitimate case no. for 4D being useful. Absolutely not. Um. Okay. So back to Out of Towners. The Out of Towners, right? It's about a man Whoa, whose name you've not talked about, Sandy Dennis. Oh, Sandy Dennis. She's uh plays his wife, right? She plays Gwen. Gwen. Yeah. So it's um, about a man. His name is George. Yeah. He has a wife. <laughs> Name's Gwen. That's right. Those are our two characters, baby. Do you, oh, do you know who else was in it? Billy D. Williams, I noticed. Very yes, minor role. That's how I was about to say Lando Carusian uh, was, was in gonna it. I was going to bring it did up. You, yeah, oh, sorry. Were you going to bring it up later? I was, but it's okay. fine. We can talk did you, about did you notice? I didn't notice him. I only saw uh, him. I, I did. I think because I, I was watching on Amazon and I was like fiddling around with the mouse that so showed me on the x ray, maybe. Ah, uh, you, you're right. Yeah. Uh, but, like, yeah, uh, it's kind of cool. It's sort of like we had Harrison Ford the first week. We had um, Marcus Brody the second week. I still yep. haven't learned his name. I don't um, know. <laughs> Captain Horny, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Captain Horny. I know I've got Billy D and 
dramatic role as the lost and found guy, really showing off. Oh, is that who he was? Right. Yeah. Yeah, it makes um, sense. Yeah. He's like the only black character in the film. Uh, well, the the um guy that serves him the burger or serves him the food. Is... Oh, yeah, that was that clearly wasn't Billy nice. No, no, I know, I know that wasn't, but I'm just saying yeah. there were other. Ones. No, 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 I exactly. guess it was those two um, really just. Okay, so The Out-Towners is about a man who goes to New York to have a job interview with his wife. Yeah. Uh, he feels no, that the, the interview's the not with his wife. He just takes her with him. Yeah, he takes her with her. Yeah, the interview is not with his wife. Although, <laughs> in the in the remake... Oh, yeah? I'll get later. But, um, yeah, so they go to New York like for the weekend. Uh, he's yeah. very excited, he, but he's a very wound up for it. Oh, he's, he's a big very boy. flustered. Do you know... Very flustered. Yeah. I... I... I got this like mad anxiety watching this film, like yeah, the whole exactly. time. I was because my like my dad is a lot like that when he travels. Like, well, here's the thing. He's this very film reminded me, and he like drags yeah. he drags me and my mum about, and like he he like needs to be everywhere. And it was just it was so triggering for me. Like I yeah. I, I hate to use that word, but like it, it just like I was so tense watching the film. Yeah, this right. film viscerally reminded me of traveling with my grandpa, which right. I think is deal where it's just like if you've ever traveled with someone who's like incredibly uptight and really worried about things like constantly i wouldn't i wouldn't watch this film it is yeah it is that sort of because it oh like when i feel like when i travel i'm like super chill like i got i got stuck in japan did you know this i got stuck in japan overnight no i didn't actually so i was on i was on a flight out of japan at like midnight yeah. Um, and it got cancelled or it got delayed by like three hours and it got cancelled finally at three in the morning. And Ugh. like I just I was like, Oh right, okay. And I was I, w- I was really worried because I had to get back for uni, but I was kinda like, Well it's cancelled now. So I was just I just like followed all the all the cues that were going on. I just followed the cues, I like picked up my luggage, when followed the cues. Literally I was in queues for like seven hours or at least Ugh. talking to like luggage people and airline people and stuff. Um, and obviously I was stressed, but I was also like, well, this has happened now and like nothing, nothing's going to change for me getting like flustered or whatever. And there were all wow. these people like shouting at these random women and stuff. Um, and all the, all the, all the people that were helping us were from like Air Japan or something yeah. rather than the airline. Cause I was meant to be flying Qatar, but they, they, like they weren't there at that time of night because they'd all gone home. So like, it was hmm. all these like poor, like overnight people that were having to help us. And I was just like, well, they're doing their best. Like, you know what I mean? I know exactly and what it was you just, mean. And yeah, you see these people that just get like super angry and super thingy. And that's exactly what the main character is like in this. Yeah. My personal style is that I am very uptight when I'm traveling. <laughs> but I'm usually traveling by myself if it's like my responsibility. Yeah. And so what tends to happen is I get very stressed. And then like if I go past my limit, I just sort of settle into quiet despair. Yeah, it was, yeah I definitely went to quiet despair. I mean, don't get me wrong. I definitely... I'm the sort of person that like keeps checking that I've got my passport like every two minutes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, I'm know, sure I, I if I had, up, I look up at the gate sign like every minute to check that nothing's mm. changed. But there's like a difference between that and like getting all flustered, mm. you know. I'm sure if I was responsible for someone else's travel, I I would also be that and stuff. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe it's because I I I've either I, I've always either been on my own or someone else has been the responsible what the yeah. person responsible for it. That I've kind of had this nice middle ground, but yeah, I just find the whole film like really tense and really like anxiety. Yeah, it's, a, like, it's a very amazing. Anyway, 
Um, so it's about an advertising executive. He's got a big interview for a job in New York. You know, this is uh, it's like exec- vice president of ad sales, I think, is the title. It's uh, yeah. swanky. Um, so he and his wife go to New York for the interview, but uh, you know they've got their plans. They're gonna have a lovely evening. They're gonna go to this lovely restaurant. They're gonna go to lovely hotel. Gonna relax, breakfast in bed. He goes to the interview fresh uh, at nine a.m. start, um, mm-hmm. and you know he's shooing for the job, already approved. That's right. So they go on their plane, and I feel the first thing to talk about, because we are discussing the 70s, is how nice the airport and the plane are. Oh, absolutely. In like disgusting way. They walk yeah. in, and they're like, we're, we're here to check in. Or he's more like, oh, we need to check in, we need to get on a plane, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. The woman just take, like, takes a bag, and they're like, they're, you're boarding now. And then they just yeah. walk onto the plane. They're chill. It's and they can, they can smoke. They can smoke on the plane. Yep. There's a bit where they're like, oh, you can smoke again. The plane actually looks comfortable, like Fit, chairs. Fairly, yeah. By. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, the dinner looks like nice. They have like proper trays well, and that. Ish. Nice-ish. They call it yeah. stale chicken. It still looks pretty nice compared to what you get these days. Yeah, uh, in many cases, uh, yeah. I realize like this is a decent bit past the golden air, the golden age of air travel. But, you know, it's pretty clearly still at the tail end. Yeah, yeah, it looks pretty nice. Mm-hmm. And it's the flight's only like an hour or twenty, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, because they're going from. Ohio, Ohio, yes, which is Ohio. fictional. Well, Ohio's yeah, not fictional. But Twin Oaks, Twin Oaks is a fictional place, mm-hmm. as far as I can. Ohio remember. isn't real, Duncan. That's Ohio isn't real. That's right. Mm. Um, but yeah, so it wouldn't be that long a flight. Anyway, no. New York anyway. is in something oh. I have never in my life heard. As no, plane not being able to land. I've been to New York twice, and never have I been fogged in. In the plane. I feel like we live in a pretty foggy city, like generally. And I mean, as foggy places go. Yeah. Uh, and like, okay. well, like, okay, I'm, I'm pretty sure we, I have landed in fog before. It doesn't yes, seem that's right. to be a flight for. Yeah. But anyway, um, they circle for a while, and he's like, um, crucially, he tells his wife that they can't have any food on the plane because they'd like spoil yeah. their meal. And it's like, oh, fancy my God, can I just have a coffee, George? And then he's like, oh, okay. But then she's like, no, we're landing. He's like, no, we're not landing. We're circling. And he has a yeah. little repartee and it keeps going and going and going. Uh, and he won't fucking sit down. Oh, my uh, God. He's just the worst guy. Yeah. Like, this entire film is an exercise in really wanting the main character to shut up. Yeah. And do you know, I, I, don't, I don't want to spoil the ending, but I, I was thinking the whole way through, like, okay, so he's being this asshole to everyone. And he's been really mm-hmm. annoying, but he's going to learn his lesson. And then he just yeah. doesn't. Yeah, fuck it. let's just talk about the ending now, because this is what bothered me most about the film yeah. as well, which is that, like, so throughout the film, there's these problems, and, like, some of it's luck, but they are almost entirely problems of his own creation. Or either um, of his own creation, or certainly... Um, easily they're avoidable. Either, they're, either, they're either completely natural problems, or they're problems of a group of people that he's not complaining to. Yeah, exactly. You know I mean, like, everyone that he complains to is not to be blamed for anything. It's completely, yeah. Um, so, like, just briefly running through it, like, they go on a train and it's full yeah. and then, like, can't stay in their Which hotel. Which is horrible. Man, have you ever yeah. been on a train that's that busy? Yeah, it's not. Because it sucks. It sucks. But yeah. at the like, same time, yeah, quick, it's not anyone's yeah. fault. No, quick rundown. Like, they can't go to the hotel and he's like, oh, yeah. I hate you. It's the manager's fault specifically. And, like, everyone they meet is, like, almost everyone they meet is, like, super nice about, like, the whole thing. He's, like, yeah. in a position. Really they're like, helpful. Well, you can, Look, you can sorry, you know, our hands are tied here. Yeah. We'll do what we can. 
Um, and he's like, no, this is stupid. I'm going to sue you all. Yeah. Fuck you. He's got is this, just doing this the to list. me because I'm an out-of-towner title drop? The list was pretty funny. Yeah, the list was... Throughout the film, he keeps writing on down a list of names of people he's going to sue. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, he's not a pleasant guy. And then at the very end of the film, like, the speech... His wife gives a little speech where she's like, you know, I hoped that you said that you'd say no to that job because you don't uh -huh. want to live in a place where, like, they stack people on top. Like, basically, the moral of the film is that they are too good for New York. Yeah. Which, when they are both horrible. And New horrible. York is lovely to them, really. Like, yeah, New York's really nice. And I, I love New York. I like New York. I appreciate this is 1970s New York and therefore a very, yes. very different place. Of course. Of course. But, I mean, you say everyone's nice to them. They do get robbed yeah. twice. Do you get mugged? Well, although at least the first time they absolutely deserve it. Like there comes yeah. a point in mugging where it's your fault. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, like, yeah, the moral of this film, despite how disgustingly unlikable they are, is that like New York is bad. They're fine. Yeah, and the and guy, it, the guy that wrote it, um, is like a New Yorker through and through. Yeah. Neil Simon. He was born in New York, died in New York, like lived in New York all his life. Um, like, I don't know, maybe like the whole point is that like the speech is supposed to be like flimsy or whatever because like at least the play written seems for almost all of its runtime to be, be about like the, the flaws of the main character and like yeah. to a lesser extent his wife uh, so I like mean, maybe his, his wife was not bad though because like no she doesn't do anything his, that his wife didn't really want it and she's really helped like she puts up with him being like a total asshole yeah. the whole time she tries to calm him down like she, all all the good plans that they have are like her plans. Yeah. Uh, he but, and he's uh, just like a total asshole. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But like, so it's not impossible to me. To maybe see that, like, maybe the real point of the film is that, like, it's their fault and like they're just too oblivious to realize. But like, yeah. The way the film sells the climax really makes it feel like that speech is what you're supposed to take away from this. Yeah. The problem is I with just... New York. Okay, so. Um, I guess this is kind of relevant to the remake as well, but the, the it kind of reminded me of a far, far worse Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Oh, yeah? I've have, have you seen that film? I haven't, sorry. No, okay, so it's got Steve Martin in it as well, like mm. the, the remake, and I, I'm sure you'll talk about the remake, but so Steve Martin's kind of like a similar character in that he's like a, this like businessman that blames everyone else and stuff, um, and then he yeah. comes across... What's the guy called? I can't remember his name. The guy that plays Uncle Buck. Oh, John Candy, isn't it? Yeah, or... yeah, yeah. The guy that plays Uncle Buck, and he's this like lovable, like ch chill, innocent guy that like tries to help him as much as possible. And mm. Steve Martin learns his lesson, and at the end of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, he like invites invites um, Uncle Buck guy into his home, um, yeah. and that's like the big the big change in him in character. Is he's realised that like even though he's travelling through this like hell thing stuff keeps going wrong he's like made a friend and whatever um and i was really mm. expecting a similar thing to happen in this film where yeah. like he's an asshole all the way through but he gradually starts to learn not to be an asshole but he do he doesn't no at uh, all. they learn nothing throughout the song no uh it's so th there's a bit when he says why doesn't anyone help anyone yeah um, even though those people try and help him and no one and people he doesn't deserve any help because he's an asshole yeah yeah like I, I, I just feel like if you just spun the last 10 minutes of this film a little differently it would make complete sense um yeah how would you like, how would you do otherwise it? it's 
Honestly, I think he just didn't play like the swelling music over the wife's speech and just changed the cinematography a little bit. Right. And like, you know, maybe just made it like a little, I mean, had like a small, like even just a little joke at the, towards the end to like show that like, again, that is th- they're the problem. Yeah. And, like, you know, immediately was bam, done, you know, solid, cohesive argument, you know? Yeah. Because um, like, obviously, this, this is definitely a joke, uh, comedy where you're really laughing at the, ma- the main characters and like, there's nothing yeah. with having... Uh, a comedy about unlikable people who don't learn anything. Yeah, but um, it needs to be done better. I don't know. I don't know yeah. how to describe it, but I mean, I, I so I laughed twice in the film, in the whole film. I found two bits oh, funny. Yeah? Um, so mm-hmm. there's a bit, <laughs> there's a bit when they're in the hotel room, and she phones yeah. for room service, and they're like, "You can't get any hot food because it's a convention on." And then yeah. he says the line, "I hope it's a mortician's convention because I might kill someone." Um, and that's about ten minutes before the end of the film, and that was the first time yeah. I laughed. Um, and mm-hmm. the second time I laughed was when they're, they're on the plane home, and then the Cuban the Cuban hijackers like hijack the plane to Cuba, and then she's like, "Oh my God!" Again, that was the second time yeah, I laughed. That's the, so, that's the closing gag as well. Yeah, so the two times I laughed were within like the last ten minutes of the film. This that is definitely it. it's definitely a film where like the main joke is the way the characters talk. Um, yeah, she her voice was pretty funny to be fair. Yeah, like the, the there's a very like the recurring joke throughout this entire thing is that like they will say like the main the woman will say like hey X is happening and then they'll be like eight and they're like what X is happening why and she'll be like because X is happening <laughs> like there's a lot of repeating lines as yeah. jokes um, yeah, and they just, oh they just weren't funny yeah it's the sort of thing where like throughout this film I was watching it, I was like you know there's someone who like this is their exact sense of humor and they will yeah. fucking love this yeah. Um, but like, if that is not your ja- your very specific jam, mm-hmm. uh, then this isn't going to be for you. Like, you need to find this kind of dialogue funny. Exactly. Like, apparently, this Neil Simon's most of his films are like written as plays and adapted. Yeah, for- yeah. So this one was supposed to be a, a short play, actually, a, a, sec- yeah. a section of a play. Um, a yeah, play and then like there are too many locations, so we yeah. had to get a film. And like, um, you can definitely sort of it's very play-ish uh, to use mm-hmm. the technical academic term and that comedy is very much in the dialogue yeah uh, but also and to be I honest i think i would find it a lot funnier if it was maybe being in front of me maybe um, yeah i don't i don't know i don't know man yeah. i i just didn't find i find it stressful and like not at all funny until the very end and like i don't feel like anyone learned their lesson um mm. like they kept making just awful decisions um, yeah, I guess. Like I say, the, the only... I'm okay with a film where no one learns anything. It's just when yeah. the film but seems to support a wrong. Conclusion. Exactly. Like, so I think the only the only thing that was kind of redeeming was like the guy that was on the flight with them. Um, mm. there was like, oh, they get redirected all the time. I'm just gonna fly in the morning, and then they see him yeah. in the hotel, and he's like, oh, I, I just got the flight here. You know, yeah. that was funny. Like say, to the me, one, this film's that... very consistent in making it very obvious that like these problems are of his creation exactly like there's there's another bit where um they're being escorted in like a police car after they've been mugged yeah uh and like the policeman says like okay look we've got a liquor store robbery i'm sorry i can't carry you the rest of the way i'm gonna have to drop you off here and he's like no i know my rights i'm not not getting out of this car he's like okay buddy it's your funeral okay i'm not i can't force you i don't have time and then he stops and he goes into the liquor store robbery and then the robbers get in the car and drive off with them like oh, goes, oh my hilarious. god we're getting kidnapped yeah. oh my god <laughs> oh shit yeah there's just yeah. so much stuff like that 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I suppose to just go through the list very quickly of things that happened to them. Uh, yeah. New York is thin. They go to Boston. Yeah. Uh, 20 minutes to get a train, but their bags are missing. Billy D. Williams tries to do what he can. Can't yeah, do anything But they're for like, him. no, fuck you. Uh, so they go to the... Uh, they go get a cab. He doesn't have, you know, the correct change for a yeah. cab. He's like, uh, just mail me the money. <laughs> the money. And then he, he gives the guy his full address, and the guy gives him yeah. his full address, and like all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, they go on the train. It's the wrong train, but, like, yep. they really hurry up. They can get the right train again whilst it stops for a bit. And it's like, okay, so they go back. It's the same cab. Uh, the train is full. They have no food. Our, our hero has a stomach ulcer, which gets worse yeah. throughout the entire time. Yeah. Uh, in New York, there's a transit strike on, which is very relevant for the time, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and strike. Uh, they go the wrong way. He walks back. They get to the hotel, but you know they've missed their booking. If they just wired ahead, they would have kept the room for them, but they didn't. Yeah. And the manager's like, "Look, I'm sorry. We can give you a room in the morning. You can stay in the manager's office for now." He's like, "No, you're being you're, you're treating us bad because we're out of towners. I, yeah. I know." You're getting sued, and it's like, oh, yeah, you can't add them to the list. Gotta bluff with these people, honey. You gotta show them you're willing to walk away. Yeah. Uh, and there's no other rooms anywhere. And then the guy's like, hey, I have a room. Yeah. Uh, just come with me. And he's like, oh, oh okay, sir. And then he get then they get mugged. Yeah. Uh, and then they go to the police station to report about getting mugged. Uh, the police station are like, okay, look, we'll just do what we can. There's a homeless shelter like over here. Yeah. To help people, you can sit stay there. Then they get uh, kidnapped, as I said. Yeah. Then they end up sleeping in Central Park. Then they get mugged again in Central Park. Yeah. Then uh, they eat leftover cra- Cracker Jack. Gets stolen by a dog. They uh, get stolen by a dog. He breaks yeah. his tooth on the Cracker Jack. Yeah. He, uh, oh, by the way, that was pretty cool. Um, what? He like started. You know how he said that he was whistling, but they yeah. actually like. I don't know if they added it in post or if he like deliberately like pretended to whistle for her or whatever. But that was kind of cool. Have Have you ever seen Arrested Development? No. There's an episode where uh, one of the characters, Job, uh, eats a candy apple and breaks his tooth and starts right. whistling, which is the same gag. Um, right. But so it was, I just find it kind of cool that they actually did it. Yeah. Like it added a kind of... Yeah. You know, as much, as, much as I didn't like the film, it was, it did feel kind of real, almost. That's you know, one of the things I was going to bring up, is that this film's very, very grounded and like... Maybe it's too real. Maybe that's why I didn't like it, because like... um. Once to go back to planes, trains, and automobiles, which you haven't seen, but I'm just gonna spoil it. There's like a bit when they're driving, and then their like yeah. car blows up, um, and then they keep driving, and it's just like completely burnt out wreck that would never drive. But there's mm-hmm. like a bit of humor and like the ridiculousness of the situation. Whereas maybe maybe the one of the reasons this one was like so, um, like triggering and like stressful and anxiety ridden was because it like everything that happened to them could absolutely be real. You know, yeah, like, like the hardest anxiety thing for like me, at least watching it, is that like I actually have no fucking clue what you're spo- what you would be supposed to do in New York in the 1970s if you got your wallet stolen. Yeah, like because like well, everything I was, I was like, they don't have ATMs. What are they gonna do? Like, how do you how do you get money? Uh, you go to the citizens whatever thing that she talks about. Yeah, the travelers. So, well, it was like a charity thing. Charity but, like, thing. Yeah. I, I guess like the thing you have to do is like you go to the bank physically and you ask for money because that's what my grandma used to do. Yeah. Like imagine that. It, imagine go to the bank physically to ask for money. Yeah. Um, but uh, like this does. Once like, these characters don't feel unreal. Like he's the man's exaggerated yeah. a bit for comic effect. But as you and I were both saying, he's definitely like. Yeah, he reminds us of real people that we yeah. like know well. It's yeah. not that un- inconceivable that the 
like at least something like the events of this film could potentially happen yeah. to someone who just like just like if they got mugged maybe they would end up like sleeping in central park yeah um, yeah exactly anyway in the scene again. after this in central park uh they find a crying child they do and the wife refuses to leave him and george like we need to walk worry about ourselves and then george suggests that they mug the child and take his money so that they can use it to get him to his interview yeah. on time and he takes him into the bush and says in a very creepy yep. way i'm not gonna hurt you i'm just gonna look for money he does in fact actually mug the child after a small argument he yes. does um and then someone calls for the center park rangers um the only other thing I've seen the Centre Park Rangers in is Elf. I don't know about you. I genuinely have no fucking clue that they existed. Like, Did you think they I, were just a thing in Elf? I never saw Elf. But You've like, not seen Elf? No, I haven't. Bro. Uh, right. fan. We'll do that for a Christmas special in however many <laughs> years. I don't know, Elf came out in 2000 or something. Um, yeah. Yes, I, I, did, I don't remember seeing the Centre Park Rangers when I was in New York. No, yeah. I'm, I was in Central Park this last Christmas. They weren't there. Yeah, they weren't there. Where, where were the Rangers? Maybe there's only like two of them. I don't, well, in, in Elf, there's like ten of them. Man, you you got to watch Elf. All right, all right. Anyway. I'll, I'll get... Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they run away from the Rangers. Uh, yeah. and then <laughs> they run away from I, the Rangers. Just as like Straight a weird thing. But like they're sort of hanging out on the street, right? And Jack goes into this big speech about how he's not going to let New York defeat him. He's going to get to yeah. his interview on time. Yeah. And then there's like a whistling sort of sound and he's like, what's that, honey? And she's like, oh, get off. And it's he gets off the mantle cover. <laughs> and it, it fucking explodes. Yeah. It was fucking like, what, 20 pound manhole cover lands yeah. right next to him. Pa- apparently. Is the only accident. I was, I'm going to talk about that as well. But this is the only accident throughout the entire film in which it would have been legitimate for him to sue. Yeah. And he doesn't talk about it at all. No. And, and apparently... But, uh, um, According I, to Wikipedia, yeah, are you about to say what I although it says citation needed, it does say yeah. that <laughs> it actually say. happened. Yeah, which is terrifying because that could have easily killed someone. Yeah, well, it, no, it says that it says that um, it could have killed him. Someone they looked into it, I think, um, like the the Ooh. actors' guild or whatever, um, and like it could have killed the actor. Yeah, like that's horrifying. But it does also say citation needed, so. Yeah, so like this may just be a made up thing. <laughs> let me see. Let me let me look it up. You you keep. To be fair, it does seem like kind of part of the plot because he does have the ringing in his ears. Afterwards. Oh no, it is obviously part of the plot. But I yeah. think I, I don't think I don't think that I don't think that it's saying that the manhole cover actually exploded without them knowing. I think what it's saying is that oh, the, like the, the, stuff fi- the filmmakers dangerous. actually blew up the manhole cover and it wasn't supposed to land like next to him. Oh, that was, right. I think. Let me let me look it up. Let me look it up while you. Uh, so then they go to church, and the church is busy for filming, so they aren't allowed to pray. He sues them because he needs his right to... He doesn't sue them. He threatens to sue them because he needs his right to practice his religion. And then I think they finally get back to the hotel at, like, a decent hour, and they have the room prepared for them as promised, and they... He goes to the interview, and he... We don't know if he gets the job or not. He comes back, and then his wife gives the speech about how New York sucks, and they're too good for it. And then they go home. And then the plane to home gets hijacked by I, Cuban. Oh, yeah. I forgot. They they um get a ride from like a Cuban uh, emissary yeah. at one point. And then like nice he takes them to the uh, embassy, so, which is being protested for something about Che Guevara. That I, didn't, I couldn't figure out if the protesters were for or against him. Against they, him, I think. Was 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 Cuba a big thing at this time? I thought that was kind of oh, definitely over by then. Oh, not over by then, but was it still that big a 
Do you... I mean, I think it was still pretty contentious throughout the Cold War for very obvious reasons. Uh, yeah, that's true. It wasn't too uh, protest-free at any point. Okay, right. Here, here's a thing on IMD, IMDb about the manhole cover. Mm-hmm. The blast was much stronger than anticipated, and instead of only lifting the manhole cover a few inches up and away from the hole, it threw it several feet into the air. A few seconds later, it falls hard in the ground, very close to Jack Lemmon's head. The actor was then hit in his left leg when the cover bounced, and although startled and in pain, he stayed in character. That shot was used in the final film. Ah, cool. That's very uh, George Lucas was filming the whole time thing. Yeah, <laughs> it is, that isn't sounds it? like a much more like credible version of the story compared to the Wikipedia one. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So you you thought that like the gas main <laughs> just well, from what Wikipedia was saying, it was like they, there was a genuine horrifying accident they, with gas they, main. They, 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 he just stayed in character. Just <laughs> yeah, just gas main blue. No, but either either way, you know, it's still pretty fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, um so. What else? Is there anything else I want to say? Oh, so there was another cool detail as well as the essays. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they come out of Central Park and they're like, oh, the, the sanitation started back up again. Uh, it's like on a newspaper. And then in the background, you can see a sanitation crew. Yeah. Like little details nice. like that were nice. You know, I liked that. Like, this film, in case we haven't made it clear already, takes place over the course of... The remake says 24 hours. This film clearly right. takes place over like, a very similar time frame in that. Like, yeah. It starts with them leaving morning well, and then... Less. No, they leave the evening. The they leave the evening. Yes. No. Yeah. 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 Sorry. It, so, yeah, it, it takes place over one night. It's like it's like twelve yeah. hours. But um, no, the bookings for eight thirty. Yeah. It takes place over like eighteen hours or something, probably. Yeah. It takes yeah. place over within one twenty-four hour cycle. Yes. We should say. Um, Indeed. So it's kind of neat, like that. You sort of you do get a sense of like in the background of a city that lives. Yeah. Um, the best character in the entire film is, of course, the guy who wires ahead, as we've already mentioned. Yeah, he's he's the best. Appears in the airport and is like, I'm gonna wire ahead, and then he yeah. appears later and he's like, Man, I had a great night's sleep. Glad I wired ahead. A, bounce, bounce. Yeah. Uh, How did you get here? Oh, I, I flew in on the flight from Boston. <laughs> like, yeah, it's lovely. Do you know what it is? It's yeah. not only is he like so flustered, but he just doesn't stop, which I feel yeah. like is another is another thing that like I'm used to traveling with people like that. That like they don't stop and think. Yeah. Whereas, like, I'm the sort of like, person that if I get, like, confused or not sure what's going on, I'll, like, stop and I'll go, right, like, what, what's going on? Where do I need to go? Whereas some people just, like, march ahead. Like, they need to be, like, the first person or, like, they yeah. need to... Like, it's like, kind of clear that he, he feels that he needs to be the first person on that train yeah. and, like, the first person... Like, to be to clear, it. like, it's not like he never thinks of wiring ahead or anything. Like, even in, like, the first scene where, like, trains come up, his wife's like, you know, we can just wire ahead and, yeah. like, they'll understand. He's like, no... They won't understand. Yeah. This is a position of responsibility. They need someone exactly. who gets to places on time. Even though he's a shoe in. And then the other thing is he's really worried about like how his clothes are going to look, but they look pretty yeah. good. Yeah, considering, this is like, considering they both spent a night in Central Park, they they look kind of yeah. all right. Like to be well, like he's kind of lucky because it's the seventies and they're brown. So yeah, it's like a very nice suit. Um, and like I guess it's the seventies, which is like when people just wore suits all the time. Yeah. And uh, it's also brown, again, because it is the 70s. So, yeah. like, it doesn't show the dirt very well. And, like, I wonder if my uh, dirty 2020s lens can truly appreciate what a suit is supposed to look like in the same vein as someone who wears one all the time. But it looks fine to me. Yeah, looks fine. And her her outfit's fine, apart from her shoes. Yeah. So they're, they're, okay. they're pretty lucky, considering they camped out and got soaked and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Are we just going to ignore that there's going to be like a break in the audio there where <laughs> your Wi-Fi... Oh, I was trying to be like seamless. Okay. But, uh, sure. I think it'll be uh, pretty clear. Well, it's fine. Um, cool. Uh, what else? My Wi-Fi broke down. Sorry. Is there anything else you have, um, you have to say? About this want, film? Do you want to uh, move I mean, on to the... And yet, you know, it's a surprise... Like, the thing is, this film is just like one uh, conversation style for an hour and a half. And like I say, if you love yeah. it, it's going to be for you. Yeah. If it isn't... Sandy Dennis who played Gwen, had more yeah. than 20 cats when she died. Wow. That's uh, <laughs> I don't know, maybe she also had... It's happy. I didn't interview it. What? Oh, oh, yeah, at the very end, during the interview, uh, like, as a sort of final punchline, the guy's like, hey, I didn't expect to see you on time. Uh, so there yeah, you go. that's hilarious. Hilarious. Okay, we're back again. We're back Here, again. This will be just like the first episode. We're going back to our roots for the first Yeah, episode. only this time hopefully we have it. I don't think we're going to miss anything. It's just going to be a bit choppy yeah. um, because Jimmy's microphone doesn't seem to yeah. be... You know, it's your turn, to be fair. One of my... You know, my microphone sucked the first episode. Now it's your turn. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, there's not much else to say about the film. I no. Guess. Uh, it had some... There were a few um, shots that were kind of peep show-like. Did you notice that? Yeah. Like a couple uh, first person. That was, if the, you it, was like, the same, it was the same in like the last film, wasn't it? Or was it the one before it uh, where they were? Oh, like you're that. thinking of uh, Getting Straight. Getting Straight, yeah. The cinematography was not too indifferent. Yeah, I would consider this to be a perfectly fine film. It is one yeah. comedy. If it's your type of comedy, it will be your jam. If it's not, it will be torture. So what? Yeah, uh, it was what I want to emphasize before we start talking about the remake is two things right. very, uh, very particularly. Uh, firstly, as we mentioned earlier, it's a very grounded film, um, yeah. which is part of its charm, I think, and you know, part of what it is. Yeah, it's very realistic, very real, very realistic, very uh, yeah. down to earth. The second thing uh, that I really want to emphasize that I've now forgotten. Shit. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no! It's gonna, it's gonna leave. Um, wow. Someone doesn't yeah. have other notes. No, oh, that's right. It's it's unique. Um, it's a pretty unique right. film, I think we'd say. It's a pretty uh, unique film. Now onto the remake. Yeah. So the remake. Right. Wait. No. Should we do our ratings for this? Oh. So yeah. Uh, I would rate it. Um. I. I would. I might even rate it. Don't watch it. For for me personally. No. I'm um, gonna say from the perspective of a recommendation, I would say watch it if it's on and see if it's for you. Uh, yeah. You okay. Very yeah. quickly, if it is for you or not. Yeah. And you know, if it is for you, stick with it. If not, it's not got any surprises up its sleeve. It's not going to shock you with anything. Yeah. You. You'll know very quickly. Hand if, early. It, if it if you if if it starts triggering you, um, right from the start because it's like people you travel with, um, unless for some you've got like some sick thing where you like being reminded Stressed. of that kind of thing, then I wouldn't. I would put it. In, don't watch. Um, I, I honestly, I would put it just don't watch. But that's just mm -hmm. my, as in I, I would, if I was to recommend to my past self, I would say don't watch. That's kind of how I'm thinking of the recommendations. But I, I do agree with you that you know you, you would know pretty quickly. Um, but I certainly would not go out of your way to watch it. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, I'm. I wouldn't pay for it. Uh, or, or even even look for it. Are, right. are you are you saying look for it? Are you are you giving it a free like uh, if it's free watch it. Yeah, just if it's on. If it's on TV. Yeah, because uh, uh, remember, just to remind people of our rating system, our um, our lowest rating is don't watch it at all. Um, our, yeah. our second rating is if it's on TV or if someone is like, I'm watching this, do you want to watch it with me? Um, our third rating is if it is free, watch it. 
Her fourth rating is buy it, and her fifth rating is buy the special edition with all the bells and whistles. Bells and whistles. Oh, we both said bells and whistles. That was good. I know. Nice. Anyway, the remake, 1999, the uh, New Millennium is going along. It's that year that Prince described in a song. Uh, yep. Joker's Bizarre Adventure Part 4 takes place during this year. I do not know any world events that happened during the year 1999 other than the New Millennium, which by definition took place in 2000. A couple of cool dudes were born. Yeah, the first episode of Futurama aired. A couple of cool dudes were born. In this sordid time, as Duncan was trying to dox us, uh, (laughs) (laughs) someone decided to remake the film Out of Towners. I do not know why. Uh, This version of it stars Steve Martin, and he's not called George anymore, he's called Henry. This makes no difference to the plot whatsoever. Right. Um... So this is a very different film in a lot of ways. Firstly, it does not take place over 24 hours. It takes place over, like, twice that long. And I know this is very petty, but for me, that annoys me. Um, Right. So this film, they show... It's about the two have their last kid leave for college. She goes to London and this sort of year abroad thing. Uh, Which is quite weird, because there's a scene where Steve Martin's like, you know, those European women are very, like, you know... Uh, very saucy and all that sort of thing. And then you realize they're talking about London, which is like, that's not Europe. Uh, not, Europe not Europe anymore. Because, no. But it's definitely you know. not cultured. Um, yeah. Well, for Americans, it is, maybe. Maybe. I, I don't think I've ever met an American who went to London and was like, yes, this is just like <laughs> these same. No, that's true. Um, anyway, so the kids leave and it's about sort of the pressures in their marriage as now the kids are gone and there's sort of nothing to fill the void. Yeah. Uh, which is sort of okay because part of the things that I think we were hinting towards before in our sort of discussion of the original is that it does kind of suffer from the characters being unlikable. Yes. Like, that's the um, source of the comedy. It does kind of yeah. stop rooting for them. One of the reviews for the film says very specifically, like the film would be better if they were like a more likable couple that were out of their death. Yeah. Depth. Uh, yeah. And this film definitely yeah. goes in that direction. Um, so also uh, Henry's been fired from his job, which gives the a bit more of a fret, as it were. Uh, but he's lying to his wife about it. Uh, he's saying that he's still employed, and like you know, this is just a whatever thing. That's always good. He goes to New York. He goes by himself, but his wife comes along as a surprise. Uh, there's right. now jokes about travel being bad to show how far we've come. Um, right. And like the film focuses a lot more on like the issues in their marriage. The whole like moral is that like you know right. just getting older doesn't mean they can't grab a hold of life anymore. They're going to go on this crazy adventure together and rediscover what made them fall in love in the first place. Wink. Right. Um, so it's very different. Very different. No, it's sort of weird because Henry is a very different character from George mostly. Right. Um, like his character flaw is that he's a fuddy duddy, as it were. Um, and like most of the time, whilst he, he's Steve Martin, so he's just mostly sarcastic yeah. about things rather than getting yeah. wound up about things. But then every now and then, like just like a joke or some dialogue from the original film will sort of sneak its way back in, right. and it will feel like a weird lurching shift of tone as he starts to become incredibly wound up. And, like, <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah, so they go on the plane, and that scene mostly plays out the same. Uh, but they have, the, after they miss the train, uh, because it's the 90s, they get to have jokes. So they say, hey, let's go get a car rental. And they have jokes about car rentals being bad. Right. It's the 90s, baby. Uh, cool. What people find funny. Uh, and then, like, the car has a sat nav, so they get some good comedy gold oh, out. Oh, I bet they do. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, the sat they go over a bump and the sat-nav changes language. <laughs> of course it does. Oh, man. Uh, great, great. Uh, Love it. So, um, and that, like, later there's a scene with sex addicts, because, you know, it's 1999, that's what the people are talking about. Right. Um, uh, so they go to the hotel, and it's run by John Cleese. He's the manager. Yeah, I saw that in, the, I saw that in a couple of photos. Hey, Duncan, guess what uh, character John Cleese is actually doing? In this movie, uh, John Cleese is he? Is He's he... doing Basil Fawlty very specifically. Oh, is he? Is it? Uh, it's Basil Fawlty, but in an actual position of responsibility. <laughs> uh, yes. You know, I'm. I don't like Fawlty Towers. Oh, don't you? Not really. No. Man, I've watched Brad a couple Cleese. of them, and it's really not my thing. All Do right, you know? Well... I have I have I have I told you my John Cleese story? My Cleese uh, you story. met him once, right? At the I directed him to the yeah. toilet, Jimmy. Yeah. I showed him to the gents. Well, technically, I told his daughter where the gents was, and she then told John Cleese, who went to the gents. But, yeah, I've directed John Cleese to the toilet, so that's pretty cool. Right. Anyway, right. <laughs> John Cleese, partly because it's the only interesting thing about this film, but secondly, yeah. because one of the more direct shifts of tone uh, in this film, which is that people actually are an asshole in this version of New York. Right. Uh, John Cleese especially. Is he American? No, he's British. He's doing yeah. his British. He's one of those like, uh, and then yeah. like occasionally goes into French when he's like being very cross. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but like in this version of New York, whilst a fair number of their problems are still their own fault, it's definitely much more these people are just unlucky. Yeah, uh, main reason they do get mugged for being idiots. This time the mugger pretends to be Andrew Lloyd Webber and they believe him. <laughs> uh, does, he, does he look like Andrew Lloyd Webber? No, he's like. She Danny DeVito lookalike. Oh, um, right. It would be cool if they had got Andrew Lloyd Webber to, like... They get Rudy Giuliani in this scene. In this right. movie, As himself. Uh, he plays the mayor, and, like, he unveils this, like, big statue in Central Park, and, like, the lights go off, and then it turns out they're fucking in public. Uh, and that's, like, a big <laughs> ooh moment. This... Honestly, this sounds infinitely better. It's not. But, um... <laughs> no. Nope. Uh, so just to give you okay. some more space around the thing, they have a daughter who lives in New York, right? Right. And the reason, one of the reasons they have money is because the daughter has maxed out all their credit cards because she dropped out of medical school without telling the father, and the mother nice. just used her dad's credit card to get yourself set up. Classic. Um, and then like, there's not the same sense of rising threat throughout this film. Not right. threat, but there's not the same sense of panic. And once it's gone, you really notice that the film changes massively because, like, the main yeah. plot isn't that different, but because it's so much more focused on, like, the conflict of their marriage. Yeah. Um, and not so much about the external pressure of, like, the... Like, they don't mention what time the interview is until, like, the last third. Right. Okay. Um, so you don't get the same sense of, like, a ticking clock. Um, there's yeah. a lot more, like, quiet-ish scenes um, where, like, they just talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's not quite the same sense of like escalation, and I think the film becomes a lot weaker for that because it starts to feel a bit plotty at some points. Um, which I think about this. Oh, uh, like the other unique set piece I would say for this, uh, which I also want to talk about because this film is a lot less grounded than the other film. Okay, yeah, I can imagine with Steve Martin and the time yeah. period. So as a sort yeah. of uh, example of that, in one scene they're trying to get to the hotel room for food, and you know again they can't get in because they have money. Yeah. So the wife seduces a uh, LA producer type, and she's like, you know, give me the key to your room, I'll wait for you to get back. Right. 
Uh, and then, like, she and the husband go and they order room service on his tab. And he comes back unexpectedly, and, like, the husband has to, like, hide behind the curtains. Right. You no, know, she sort awesome. of does a key thing where, like, she's still trying to seduce him, but she can't, like, do anything with him because her husband's right there and she doesn't want to. So, like, oh, no, crisis. And <laughs> persuades him to leave. And then, like, he sees the room service coming. And he's like, who's that yeah. for? And, like, oh, I'm being ripped off. He goes to the thing, and, like, oh, no. So they climb out the window. They climb down right. hotel off the side. <laughs> Uh, like the husband sort of hangs off the oh, sign sounds, for a bit. sounds so much better, man. Like, and then like it breaks, and then like it breaks a little, and sparks fly everywhere, and power for the whole hotel goes out. <laughs> goes whoa, and lands on the does. balcony outside the manager's room, and it turns out that John Cleese's character is a crossdresser. Of course uh, he is. So he's singing along to a sort of fun, uh, raining men like song. I can't right. remember the song. Talking about crossdressers briefly. Yeah. Um. Oh, oh fuck! I forgot the name of the film. Um. What's it called? Let me look at. Let me look it up. So I watched this film. Um. When I was still up in the city where I go to university. Um. Oh. <laughs> watched this film. Uh. Which has Robert De Niro in it. Yeah. Uh, fuck! What was it called? Robert De Niro star some Stardust. Have you seen okay. Stardust? Nope. So it's it's a children's film. I don't know why we were watching it. Um, but he plays this like so he plays a um like a sort of steampunk pirate airship captain who's just like oh. big tough guy, um and he's like classic Robert De Niro like hey you know I'm a fucking tough guy blah, 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 whatever, um but then he's secretly he's a crossdresser, um so like he, he locks his room and then he like puts on a bunch of clothes and it is the weirdest thing to see Robert De Niro like in a dress sipping tea with like a British accent, like just acting incredibly camp it's like the weirdest thing it was funny but it was just like so like bizarre for him oh it's anyway. weird that they're all british to be fair to john cleese he's actually very into it he's believably uh having fun in that scene you know what Credit yeah well the, the, like so stardust is not a good film i don't think hmm. um but it's really good and um, that bit like robert de niro really gets into it and you can tell that he's like just enjoying yeah. himself, which is always nice to see nice in to films. See. So I imagine um, it's similar with John Cleese. Yeah. So um, after that, uh, you know, hijinks ensue. Uh, the having sex in public thing with Mayor Giuliani I talked about happens. Yeah. Go to Central Park, and then Steve Martin gets arrested for urinating in public because it's the 90s, and this is a hot button issue in New York. Is it? Okay. Uh, yeah. Like if you watch all the sitcoms, they they have a lot of jokes about people getting arrested for public urination. Right. But you know, yeah, it's a victim of crime. Uh, so he ends up in jail, and then like he says, "Oh, I have a headache." That's his thing. He doesn't have the ulcer that George that George has. His thing is his, right. his headaches. His headache. Uh, and is his is his headache and uh, medicine in his bag? Uh, of course have. it is. Yeah. Um, and then Sweet. they don't focus too much on the lost bags in this one either. Right. Uh, and then, like the guy, the guy in the prison cell is like, "Hey, I'll get, here, here's an aspirin. It'll shut you up." And then it turns out an aspirin, the aspirin is a drug. <laughs> of course, it is nice. Uh, so you know, there's a lot of wacky humor. It's not clear what drug it is. Uh, yeah. I'm not even sure if it, it is. I don't think it really matters. Drug. in films, he's, does it? Just yeah, he just, just gets very horny. And yeah. Um, and then meanwhile, the women, our hero, blackmails John Cleese into giving them the bail money and putting them up in the hotel bedroom. <laughs> uh, in the right. <laughs> wildly funny scene where a man is worried that he'll be arrested and have his life ruined for his sexuality. 
<laughs> the 90s, baby. Uh, 90s. Um, uh, that's basically the end of the film. Uh, they blackmail John Cleese and he solves all their problems. Nice. Uh, and then he gets to the interview and he's like, hey, I've got your new tagline, bucko. It's only in New York. Uh, yeah. Then they're like, that's a fantastic idea. No one else could have come up with that. You're hired, bucko. Yeah. And then he says, no, I want to go back to Ohio. Nope. In this film, they stay in New York. Oh. Uh, because they're embracing their new lives and embracing themselves as new people. So it's a completely different ending. Uh, stay in New York. John Cleese rolls his eyes and goes, oh, I think I'm beginning to like them. <laughs> uh, the closing gag is that they all go, the three of them go see a play together with the daughter in it, and she bows. And nice. uh, the wife is like to John Cleese, are those my earrings? And that's the end of the film. Well... Uh, to me, that sounds better. It's an unbelievably generic comedy. Yeah, it, it does um, sound very generic. So, like, even speaking as someone in 2020, I was yeah. feeling like, oh my god, this is... I've seen this so many times before. And, like, that's just... It's a very specifically 90s thing. So I can understand why someone in the 90s would find it, like, physically painful to yeah. watch. But, um... In terms of comparisons, like I say, I think the strangest things that happen to it is that the comedy is no longer based on dialogue there's a not there's still like some dialogue based stuff but not as strictly there's yeah. a lot more physical gags or like you know wackiness right like scene where like the chase by a dog or that aforementioned thing where they're climbing down the hotel lots of stuff like that um a bit of the old cringe humor when they talk about their oh, sex course. life in front of the sex addicts <laughs> um awesome and then, like, obviously the story has a more of an emotional core and that's about their marriage, but yeah. as I, say, I feel that does kind of slow the whole thing down in a way that I realised. Because after I watched the original, I was like, I think they, if they made the characters more likeable and, you know, yeah. that would make for a better film. And, you know, they made them more likeable in this one. And I realised, no, it wouldn't. So it right. turns out I don't know what, know what I'm talking about. And all remakes are bad, because that's the way it is, frankly. Cool. Nice. Um, don't remake stuff. Let it be. Let it be. Nice. That was a nice, um, a nice tie-in. Yeah. Tie-in. Cool. So that's my opinion on. That's your opinion. The, well, uh, I would. I would remake. say. I would say you should watch Planes, and Automobiles. Um, I watched it again recently, and it wasn't as good as I remember it being, but it's still pretty entertaining. And there's like an actual character development. You know, it's similar in terms of like yeah. the travel stuff, but like it's someone traveling alone, and yeah. like they they make a friend like it's a good film i'd recommend it yeah in fairness in the 90s one there is a character arc it is a painfully obvious character arc that they articulate at every point <laughs> of course they do. Um, but uh just short of saying like wow i'm facing a dilemma time for my character resolution yeah. but um if in terms of my rating i'd say avoid it honestly because it's just not... okay unless you're really a big john cleese stan or yeah. a Steve Martin, Steve Martin fan? No, no. There's, there's like to be fair, John Cleese in the film is doing a good John Cleese. Steve Martin in right. the film is doing a mediocre so, Steve Martin. Fair enough. Um, also, it's 1999, so like, how many good roles did John Cleese have left by, by that point? You know, he's uh, still alive, man. Yeah. yeah, but he's not. I showed him to the bathroom. He's not as good anymore. Let's, okay, let's, fair let's enough. Go. Okay, um, so anyway, do gone? you want to talk about? Uh, unless you have more questions about the remake, um, um, I kind of want to go into Watermelon Man. I sort of sensed you were, so I was kind of hurrying for it. Okay, so, well, no, uh, I mean, if there's more to talk about, there's more, you know. But 
I'm not sure there is more to talk about. I've got, um, I've got three pages generic, of notes here. It was less grounded. It was a worse film for it. That's right. my opinion on the Out of Sounders remake. Cool. Uh, what's the original? If for whatever reason you've got a gun to your head and you have to decide between the two. Yeah. Or don't watch either. Just get shot. Hmm. <laughs> that far. Okay. Watermelon Man. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, man, that means I need to talk now for ages. <clears throat> yep. Better get my throat clear. Have so, fun. Watermelon Man came out in 1970. I don't know what day, actually. I didn't check that. It's also the 28th. Also the 28th, the same day. So you could have had a choice between these two films. Yeah, we'd um, have been sitting in front of the theatre uh, <coughs> and looking at these two posters, and you'd be like, huh. Which, which one, one do I want to look at? What What's the poster like for out of tenors? Uh, it's like them on a train, and like they're leaning their head out, sort of like a dog would, you know? But they don't have the tongue, obviously. <laughs> Right, which doesn't... Oh, yeah, yeah, right, you're right. I recognize it now. So the the poster for Watermelon Man um, is, like, split in half, um, and it's got... On the top, there is a black man um, who is obviously a naturally black man who is going, oh, golly, and smiling. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it says, his white bread world just turned upside down. And then beneath that, there's, there's someone that looks almost like someone in whiteface, um, no. which they may or may not be I don't want to spoil it um, down like upside down so the film <laughs> was directed by Mal- Melvin Van Peebles who's still still alive he's 87 years old cool um, I, did, I don't know his other films but apparently this was his only studio film uh, it was oh yeah I, I heard it. he went on to make some like independent stuff instead but like, yeah. he was heard, uh studio films after this because I think this one was quite successful I think so yeah like so, um, it was written by a guy called Herman Rocker or Roucher or something like that, mm-hmm. um, and it was written because his he had a bunch of friends who claimed to be like very liberal and forward thinking, but he noticed that they all still held like racist ideas, not very yeah. far below the surface. Like they were still pretty racist, um, and mm-hmm. the studio, so the studio wanted to make the film. Uh, but he insisted it had a black director for obvious reasons because it follows a black man. Yeah. Um, so it stars Godfrey Cambridge, who mm-hmm. is a black man, uh, who for the first 15 minutes of the film is in whiteface. Um, and by whiteface, I mean like full white body. Like he's completely yep. white with like blonde hair and stuff, mm-hmm. which is a bit... Um, it's a little bit weird. Like you can tell that he's very obviously black. Um, yeah. Like he's very dark with the white. Um, it's mm-hmm. kind of weird. Um, so yeah, there's that. Uh, the studio wanted the reverse, so they wanted to cast a white person and then have them in blackface for the majority of the film. Yeah, but thankfully, cool thankfully Melvin said no mm. to that. Um, Godfrey Cambridge was acclaimed by Time magazine in 1965 as one of the country's foremost celebrated uh, and then there's an there is an n-word the less bad n-word comedians so obviously Mm -hmm. he was quite a popular uh, african-american comedian at the time so um i'm just going to go through my notes i've got them all written down Uh, feel free to jump in if there's anything that jumps out at you as something that you want to hear more about so The film starts quite similarly, actually, to Out of Towners with, like, an establishing shot of the suburban house that this guy lives in. Um, mm-hmm. And it's got the same, like, annoying music of 
like you know like the comedy 1970s comedy music that's just like really annoying and not oh yeah slightly weird just to lurch back but like the 1999 remake has like a really present soundtrack in a way that's surprising to me it was quincy jones who did the original out towners which i was surprised to see all right uh but the 1999 one's a lot more generic and like bouncy uh that was just like there's a lot of you know sort of oh yeah nice yeah that's i need to touch myself more so yeah so the the first thing you notice is that the the white face really is like quite something like he is like it's like you know when you put like paint on it's like really shiny yeah is it just like yeah just like chalk stuff yeah he's like super shiny and like smooth like smooth as anything because it's just like painted on his skin um Mm. but i guess it's kind of all right like he looks like a very light-skinned black person i guess um, I can see why you didn't want to talk about this film as the main one. It's quite hard to um, sort of jump around it without saying anything racist. Um, <laughs> so within two minutes, you see his naked ass. Um, Great. He's lying down for? on a he's lying down on a sunbed that he has in his home. He's got like a private sunbed. Um, so you see him like fully nude on that, and he walks about fully nude. I'm not really sure why. Um, and then he goes into the kitchen, and his wife and kids are watching TV. And on the TV, there are a bunch of riots um, by black people. And he says, oh no, his wife says, they are getting very dangerous. Um, mm-hmm. And then they go into a discussion about civil rights. Um, What's his opinion on it? His opinion on it is, well, I think he, he's not like racist, racist, but he's kind of like, they shouldn't be so violent or whatever. Oh, it's like, yeah, yeah, these guys are violent and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it like immediately jumps into that. And then there's an absolutely hilarious bit where every morning he races the bus. So there's a bus stop outside his house. <clears throat> but instead of getting on at that bus stop, he runs comedically past three other bus stops and down some stairs to try and beat the bus, like to get it at that bus stop at the bottom of the stairs. Yeah. Um, and it's absolutely hilarious because everyone on the bus is like cheering the bus driver along. Um, and, like, all the people at the bus stops that he runs past are, like, trying to get on as quick as possible and pay their fares as quick as possible. Mm-hmm. And it's absolutely hilarious, Jamie, because he's just, he's running alongside the bus and everyone in the bus is trying to, it's just, oh, it's funny, man. It's so funny. Um, it's not that funny, but it's a little bit funny. Um, and then he they do gets that joke the... three times, you were saying. What? And they do that joke, like, three times, you are saying. Yeah, yeah, he runs past three bus stops and everyone, and then the bus driver is like, I can only go so fast, and he's like, I need to stop here, and all the people on the bus are like, come on, come on, let's do it. Um, so right from the start, it's established that he's, like, one of these guys that thinks, he thinks he's, like, really funny, but he's actually mm-hmm. just quite annoying. Yeah. And, like, everyone clearly thinks this, and people on the bus are like, oh. let's try and beat him, or whatever. So uh, mm-hmm. he does that, um, and then he gets on the bus, uh, the bus driver is black, and he makes a back-of-the-bus joke, where he says to the bus driver, a few years ago, you wouldn't be driving, you'd be sitting up the back of the bus, which is um, hilarious. Uh, uh, and then It's nice that he can do something <laughs> like that. I'm sure everyone's very comfortable in that situation. I'm sure they are. And all the all the people on the bus are kind of like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he makes like this slightly racist joke, yeah. and, or actually not slightly, slightly. Racist, very racist <laughs> joke, yeah. Um, and they all kind of are like, oh, okay. Um, and then he insinuates that black people can't run far, Um they, they're very I've never quick. heard that stereotype. No, neither. He says they're very quick in sprints, but they can't run far distances. That's very specific. Um, unlike well. him, unlike him, uh, which yeah. is obviously hilarious as well. Um, then he goes to his favorite restaurant, and he mm. jokes with the black server um, about rioting and looting, 
and he makes some slightly racist jokes to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's very, he's like very nice to this black waiter, but in like a racist way, where it's clear that he sees him as like one of the good ones. And he's like, "Oh, Joe, you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be out there writing or whatever." Um, and mm-hmm. he says, like, he says, "Oh, um, I bet they didn't loot here because it's such a shithole or something like that." Like, or not those words, but that kind of thing. Um, the black, the uh. black guy doesn't own it. Uh, he just works there. Uh, it's revealed later on. But yeah, he's mm-hmm. so he's 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 kind of racist in like a not not racist in like a hateful way or in like a deliberately hateful way just casually racist yeah yeah, it's very clear that he's incredibly casually racist Mm. um and at the start of the film here so there's a black bus driver and then there's the black guy that serves him uh then he gets to work and the guy that's operating the lift is also black so it's pretty clear that all the like shitty jobs are held by black people in this area or this neighborhood or whatever um, then he walks into the office and there's <clears throat> a classic like room of secretaries and he says, sluts, sluts, all of you sluts um, to the secretaries and they're all like, oh, <laughs> okay. Uh, then he sexually assaults one of them and he like grabs right? her ass and he calls her Swedish and then she's like, oh, no, I'm Norwegian. And then he, he says, are you actually blonde? And she's like, oh, um, no, I'm, I'm, or she says she is or whatever. Uh, then mm. he says that he'll pay her to walk away. He'll pay her more if she jogs away, even more if he if she runs away, and even more if she's actually blonde, which is hilarious. That's um, very creepy fetish. Yeah, yeah. So he so again, it's very clear that he's like he thinks he's this charismatic guy, but everyone's really cringe. And um, mm. there's then it's established that the kids are quite embarrassed that he races the bus every morning, um, because apparently all very the schools, fair. all the schools, all the kids at school bully them, um, mm. because their dad races the bus. Quite right. Uh, he has he has sex with his wife once a week on a Wednesday, and um, she tries to have sex with him that night, but he says no, it's a Monday, and he doesn't want any more kids, so they only have sex on Wednesdays. Oh well, I mean that's um, the best contraception. And of then all. in the middle of the night, he wakes up, and suddenly he's black. And, well. and the reveal that he's black is he he walks through the house in like shadow, so you can't tell. Um, mm. And then the big reveal is there's a shot from like a toilet, the toilet's point of view, as he goes to sit down in the toilet. Lovely. And then he pulls down his trousers, and you see his like his his black ass. So the second right. time you see his ass, it's black, and that's so like nice right in the center. Shot. That's held in the center of the frame for a couple seconds, uh, and then it Wonderful. cuts to him him like screaming in the mirror, and um, and he screams in the mirror, and then he says, "How now, brown cow?" Um, and then he starts like drinking loads of water to try and not be black, um, and, and then he thinks it's a nightmare about his sun lamp. Um, mm-hmm. He checks his penis, and then he says, "Oh, that's an old wife's tale." Um, and then like, he has the, the, or not? Um, like yeah, he. So as in, it's not. It's not got bigger. I think is the joke. Cool. It's important for me that I know the size of his penis. So yeah, he I like lifts it up. And it's like I guess it's the same size it was before. And he's like, "Oh, that's an old wife's tale." Then, um, mm-hmm. then he has a shower to not be black. So he's tried drinking water. He has a shower for like several hours. Because he wakes up in the middle of the night, and and he goes in the shower, and then he's still in the shower in the morning when his kids get up. So he's in the shower for hours, and the whole house is like fogged up from the shower. Thinking <coughs> a crafty one. Um, and then the kids want to, they want to watch him run out of the house, because for some reason, even though he races the bus, he never lets them watch him run out of the house. You have to like stay inside. I don't know why. It's dangerous um, to be around someone who's racing the bus. Exactly. So. 
he said they say to him, oh, we don't watch the bus. Um, and then he says he's not going to work today because he's sick. And he's still in the shower. So they've not seen that he's black. He's still in the shower. And then they say, oh. you mean you won't be racing the bus today? And then he said, don't ever bring up the race issue again. <laughs> uh, which is another hilarious joke. That is actually um, <laughs> it was quite a good one. There were there were quite a lot of jokes like that that really did actually make me. Any laugh pun, anything that's just like a stupidly laboured pun will exactly, exactly appeal to and me. Then the, and the kids are like, "What? What? Okay, fine." And then they go to, off to school. And um, then he pleads to God mm-hmm. to make him not black. And um, then there's a funny bit where his wife comes in and is like, "Get out of the shower." He gets out of the shower. She screams and she's like, "There's a N word in our house." And Great. then he's like, "No, no, I, I, it's me. I'm not an N word." Um, they use that word very liberally. Um, they mainly they mainly say the less bad N word that we keep mentioning, but they do also use the other one quite a good, lot. Good, 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 um, good. He calls his wife a simp, which I found. Wait, really? Yeah, apparently, apparently it means like a silly person. Um, nice. But it's nice that language that, gets to come back. <laughs> I found that quite funny because I was just watching it, and then she says something. And he's like, "Don't be such a simp," and it really like. Took me away, um, but that was pretty funny. Mm. Um, then the racist to Chinese people because his wife says you always did look a bit dark, and then he goes, "Me dark? Have you seen your mum?" Uh, then he talks about how her mum has like slightly slanted eyes, um, okay. and a bunch of other racist Chinese stereotypes. Um, then he <laughs> and he calls in, oh my god, he calls in sick to work, and guess what he says to the the receptionist at work. Something racist gonna go. He says, "I'm feeling a bit off color." Uh, <laughs> I know, right? It's good. Um, then, <laughs> then he says, "Oh, it must, it must be the sun lamp that I've got that's caused this." And then he says, "I'm sure this has happened before. I'll phone them up. Like, I'm sure this is an issue that's happened before." And then his wife says, "Yeah, all over Africa," and they both have a little laugh at that. And then he's like, "No, this isn't funny." Um, then his wife looks at his dick and he goes, no, it's an old wife's tale because that joke mm-hmm. was so funny. It's the nice that they got to do the joke twice, didn't they? Um, and then, of course, his hair is curly because he's black now. So she hmm. says, why don't you straighten your hair? And he says, I don't want my hair straightened. I want my skin straightened. Um, not really sure what that means because I don't think black skin is not straight. I don't really know what the point was. But, but We yeah. all stumble over our words sometimes. True. I'm sure he was struggling. Um, and then he gets in a taxi to the black area of town because he wants mm-hmm. to see. He wants to find out what skincare they use to appear more white, so that he can buy a bunch of it. They do that in India, actually. Do they? Well, there you go. Yeah, Colorism is a big deal there. Uh, apparently, apparently, they do it there as well. Colonialism um, and all that. So he gets in a taxi, and then the driver says, "What are you doing in that house, mowing the lawn?" And he says, "No, I'm sleeping with the lady of the house." Um, which is a hilarious, another hilarious race, race-based joke. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> then he uh, he walks into the shop in the black area of town, uh, and immediately the guy behind the counter puts his hands up, um, right. as if he's been robbed. Which I found a bit weird because you'd think, given that the guy behind the counter is black and he's allegedly in the black area of town, I don't really know why the shopkeeper would react in that way to a black person walking in. Maybe they were but doing colorblind casting for that one role, and then it went wrong. Maybe. Then he rubs a bunch of creams on and then he says, these creams don't work. No wonder. And then he says the N-word again, riot. As in, like, no wonder they riot. Their creams don't work. 
um, which I don't really get. Um, and then he goes out for a walk in the garden. Uh, oh, I forgot what the line was. I didn't write it down. But um, the the person next door is doing the washing, mm-hmm. and he says something about like what? Oh, he says, "What bleach do you use?" And um, we could use some stuff whitening in this house as well. Um, and then she tells him, and then she like pulls apart the washing to look at him, and then she screams when he's black, and then he screams because he's black. And then there's this cut. There's a there's a cool cut at that point, and then he's got his head in this like mold thing, um, cool. which I'm, he doesn't really say what the point is of that. Mm-hmm. And then he starts drinking a load of milk, um, to try and get him white. And by a load of milk, I mean like pints and pints and pints of milk. That's um, and then after drinking all the milk and having this mold thing in his head, he says to his wife. Tell me the truth, but tell me I'm white. And then she very um, not seriously says that he's white, so he knows that he's not white. Mm. Um, and then there's a, there's a cool bit where like the screen starts flashing different colors as he goes more and more insane. Mm-hmm. And he goes really crazy, like he hates being black. Um, and then right. he says to her, <clears throat> I want all the mirrors in the house removed. Um, that's an order from your husband, Othello. Which is another funny line, because of course a fellow is black as well. Yep. Um, <laughs> and then the doorbell rings and he jumps, and then his wife says the Ku Klux Klan never rings the bell, and um, which is pretty mm-hmm. funny. And then guess what it is? It's getting delivered, Jamie. Uh, a burning cross. Uh-huh. No, it's another sunbed because you see oh. when he phoned up the sunbed company to complain, they said he'd send him a new one, which is of course the last thing he needs because he's so tan now. So of he course. physically attacks the delivery man and almost kills him. Good. Um, That's very reasonable. That's and then I... his wife tells him to get off. And the delivery man, rather than running away or whatever, just stands there and says to his wife, that guy needs a sun lamp like Fred Astaire needs dancing lessons. And then casually walks out despite just being beaten within inches of his life. It's nice that you complimented Fred Astaire there. <laughs> it is. It was very nice of him. Um, then he takes a bath in milk. And while in the bath, he says, Ooga booga dooga doo. Um, then his wife walks in and says, Ooga Booga Dooga Doo. Um, and for some reason, he keeps repeating that. I'm not really that's, sure why. Because it that's, feels... like 19, that's like 1890s racism. Well, it's kind of 1890s racism. And also, you'd think, if he was saying that that's what black people said, which I guess is the implication, you would think that he would be saying... He wouldn't say it to be more white. Anyway, he takes a bath in milk. Um, and then he decides the next day that he's going to go to work. Because he can't okay. stay away from work forever. Yeah. So he leaves the house to race the bus as usual. Mm-hmm. And there's all these shots of the neighbours being really shocked when there's a black person running in the neighbourhood. And they're all looking out the window like, <gasps> and then people on the bus are like, is that, I forgot his name already, but they're like, is that the character? What happened to him? He looks black, blah, 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 blah. Um, mm-hmm. And then as he's running, people start screaming and chasing him, shouting that he must have stolen something. And then he gets arrested um, and he has to prove that he's not stolen anything by trying on his shoes to prove that they're his shoes. Okay. Um, and then the bus driver comes, and they're like, oh, I never noticed you were black, because the bus driver is black. Uh, and then the, he goes to the same cafe thing, and that the guy in there is like, I never noticed you were black. Um, yeah, so that, that was kind of interesting. Uh, then he says, I'm not black, and he's going to get the restaurant shut down as a homosexual hangout. Which I guess was banned um, at the time. Um, yeah. And then there's a, there's a hilarious bit. He goes back into the office, and no one no one's really interested in him. 
But the the secretary that he had sexually assaulted before is now interested in him because he's black, the Norwegian one. God's sake! So she <laughs> gives him she, she gives him his number, her number, puts it in his chest pocket, and then he goes in to see his boss. Um, and then his boss says, "Oh, you're you're you you you've suntanned a bit too much. You've got a great tan," um, cool. which lifts his spirits a bit because he's like, "Oh, people just think I've had a good tan." But then the boss phones his optician and is like, I think these tinted contact lenses you gave me are a bit dark. Because obviously he thinks that he's seeing it dark. Yeah, I, I get it. <laughs> you get it. So that per- that perks him up a lot because he's like, oh, people are just going to think it's a tan. Because uh, he'd been quite depressed before that. But then he goes for lunch at a club and he's not allowed into the club because he's black. Okay, yeah. He, I mean, that, that would still be true today. Even. Yeah, true. I'm sorry. Um, uh, and he starts, other than the fact that they're objectively cool, and I want them. I want to be in one. You want to be in a club? Yeah. You want to be in a club that excludes black people? Not one of those ones. Um, right. I'd like to be in a racially inclusive club. Although I don't are know. There, wait, are there are there still ones that exclude people? Uh, you hear about country clubs, like oh you know, God. they don't do it explicitly, but like you know. Yeah, that's pretty know. fucked. Well, anyway, this one is very explicit. It's got like a little statue outside of like a stereotypical black person with like a big cross through it. Right. So anyway, in the, in the process of not getting allowed in and trying to argue that he's white, he starts a race riot <clears throat> okay, where a bunch fair. of black people start shouting from the street at the um, guy that's not letting him in. Uh, mm. And then he's arrested by the police and he jokes about police brutality, um, which is obviously absolutely hilarious because, of course, they're not being brutal to him at all. They just, like, arrest him normally. Um, and he just mm. they just take him to his boss's office. Like, he doesn't actually get arrested or anything. Um, and that's the second time that he jokes about police brutality, despite not actually getting brutalized. So that was a bit uh, on the edge. Um, and then his boss realizes that there's a big advantage to having a black salesman because they yeah. don't sell insurance to black people with white salesmen, so they can sell insurance to all the black people. Um, cool. And then, then the boss says, why don't you run back to your office? And he says, I can't run anywhere because they'll arrest me because I think I've stolen something. So the boss is like, oh, why don't you walk back to your, back to your office then? Right. So then he goes to the doctor's office, and the doctor's like, maybe, maybe it's somewhere in your lineage that there's black people, um, which I thought was interesting because I feel like you still see this nowadays sometimes when people do these tests to like see their, find out their history, and then they realize that they're like part black. Have you ever seen those ones? Oh yeah. Where it's like a white sperm. So, so it kind of felt like that. That was kind of interesting. Um, and it turns out that his middle name is Jefferson, I think. Okay. And the doctors, like a lot of slaves, chose presidents as their middle names. So maybe your ancestors are... That's undeniable. Um, which doesn't really make sense because... No, why it's would... his middle name. If it was his surname, then like, yeah. But well, it's... it's more, it's more. why would he turn black suddenly? Like if he yeah, was but... black, then he'd just be black anyway. He's black. Oh yeah, I, I, that was so ridiculous. I was taking it as a given. Yeah, it was. It was weird. Um. Anyway, he <laughs> he gets home, and his wife accidentally serves him fried chicken and watermelon without thinking about it, and then he says to her in a joking tone, "Watermelon doesn't taste good to me unless it's stolen," um. Which is another just hilarious race joke. Mm-hmm. Um. And then he stops. He stops racing buses and becomes quite depressed. It's nice to see that he's improved as a person. Yeah, and the main the main thing up until this point that he's been suspicious of is he's been using soy sauce on his skin. Um, he's got this like his own made up formula uh. that he uses. Um, 
And then the doctor says that soy sauce is more apt to make you oriental than the N-word. Um, and then the, doctor, then the doctor says, I'm going to have to stop being your doctor. And he changes him over to a doctor that is black and says, you might have heard of this guy. He's of your race. Um, right. So he gets his doctor changed and then he gets fired and has to work at a landfill site. And then when he gets home from that, the neighbors ask him to move out. Um, and he manages to barter up from 50k to 100k. So they're going to buy his house from him, basically. Great. Because um, they're worried that having a black person in the neighborhood will bring down property prices. Um, so they pay him 100k to move out. Um, and then he says that he was going to sell the house anyway because the neighborhood was a bit Jewish. Um, and then the wife, right. the wife says, no, it's, these are all jokes, Jamie. All the quotes I'm reading were bits that I found funny. Um, although a lot of them are also very edgy. Um, and then the wife says that she's going to leave. Uh, she sends the kids off to her sister. And then she says that she's going to leave as well unless he tries to appear more white. Uh, yeah. And then she suggests that he dyes his hair blonde. And then he, sa- he says, you know what I'd look like with blonde hair? A grilled cheese sandwich, um, right. which is pretty funny. Uh, and then he tries to have sex with his wife, but she's like, no, I'm really flustered about this whole thing. I'm not going to do it. So then, of course, he phones the Norwegian secretary and has sex with her. Um, uh, and that sex scene was likeable. incredible. Um, it was, was it like, like the, super the, gratuitous? No, no, it wasn't, actually. It was like the camera was like moving from above, and they were both under the covers, and the covers were like going absolutely mental, like, uh, you course. know, like super exaggerated with like the really like sexy music in the background. Um, and then it turns out that she's actually racist because she only has sex with black people, um, and she'll never have sex with a white man again. And he's like, well, you're racist as well. So then he leaves. And then she shouts after him that he's being accused of rape. She's like, you raped me. Um, and then his wife leaves Indianapolis as well as his kids. Um, and then he... Yeah, he, he's, so he gets fired at that point. Uh, did I already say that? Yeah, because no. he works in the landfill. So he gets fired because he's been giving advice to black people rather than selling them insurance policies. And he's cost the company money. Um... <clears throat> so he sets up his own insurance agency. He goes to like an uh, an all black bar. Some people get arrested in there, uh, and then basically the film ends with him just accepting that he's black and his wife's left him. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Wait, how does he turn back? What? How does he turn no. back? No, no, he doesn't turn back. He's just black oh. now. I was so assuming his, his wife. His wife's left him, and he set up his own. Um, thing and he's just black. Oh, that's... so there's no there's no explanation for how he turned black overnight. I mean, to be fair, that's probably a more progressive way to go about it, I guess, rather than like you know, oh great, the nightmare's over. Uh, well, yeah, but he's but he's white and then he's black. Yeah, that's not what I was expecting. No, I'm processing it. Well, there you go. That was my incredibly rushed um, go through of what I like listening to it. Sorry, I'm tired. And no, no, it's fine. <clears throat> uh, I, I had a, I had a lot of notes, so yeah, I I mean I read all the funny quotes. There were a lot of funny quotes in it. Um, I would I would put it as watch it if it's on, maybe yeah. watch it if it's free. Ah. It kind of depends. It's an interest. Ooh. I don't really know who it's for. Um, I don't really know if it's for like a white audience or a black audience at, at the time. Obviously, now yeah. you know, anyone anyone watches anything, but like I can't really tell if it's. Who it was who it, supposed who to be marketed for, towards. really. 
but it's mm. interesting it's interesting to see um race relations at that time from the point of view of like black people but mm. in this like very comedic way it was quite funny yeah. um cool. it definitely had a lot of edgy stuff in it by today's mm. standards and maybe even by the time standards yeah. um but yeah it was <clears throat> it was an interesting film i i kind of wish we'd done this one i mean i think it's probably a good job we didn't because i don't know you know obviously i just rushed through my notes there. i don't know how much we'd actually be able to discuss individual right, things we'd be able to talk about something well, i'm glad we did out of towners it was it was yeah. a nice yeah so i would i definitely preferred this one to out of towners anyway for sure um, next week uh i didn't discuss this with you beforehand but we don't have any choice in the matter because there's only one film that's available uh on streaming we are doing an maybe. italian horror film so everyone can look forward to that maybe i might find another film if you can uh, <laughs> that's the only one that was there so okay cool sounds uh, good yeah you know, we haven't done a foreign film yet on this. It'll be fun. That's true. That's true. Well, all of them have been foreign films. They've all been American. Uh, uh, Too Late the Hero was halfway British. British-American, yeah. Beautiful. Uh, oh, man. Anyway. I feel wiped out after that. Yeah, run through. that was a fun episode, my boy. That was. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Discuss? Not really. Nah, I'm pretty good, I think. I think we've covered yeah. it. I'm sorry. So. I'm tired. Uh, <laughs> my throat's kind of sore after that. Yeah. We we went on. See, free movies is just it's too much for. It's too much. Let's uh, stick to it. Let's stick us. to one in future. Sticking to one in future. We, but, we we pushed our limits and we found out where oh, we were. Something I, I didn't say. Do you know what yeah. else the director of the Outtowners made? Uh, sh- Neil Simon. Uh, no. Oh, did you do Arthur Hiller? Oh, oh shoot! The director. I, did, I did know this, and yet now I don't. What what was it? He made he made a National Lampoon's film, and um, mm-hmm. not any of the famous one. I don't know how many there are but it, I didn't recognize it uh, and he made Beverly Hills Cop 3 yeah that's everyone's favorite one is it I've not seen any of them oh uh, but no one likes Beverly Hills Cop 3 well there you go. Like... so he made it cool mm-hmm. all right yeah I think uh that's that's in the episode before <clears throat> before I lose my voice completely night night everyone if you're watching night, this night everyone well it could be late by the time this goes up because I'll need to edit it and process it and all if you're that. watching it during the day then uh, fuck you well uh, surely people watch it as soon as it goes up and not any other time yeah yeah I wouldn't. all right all right bye bye